0: Well, good morning. He is risen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Thank you for joining us on this Resurrection Sunday and joining us for worship. We're going to worship the risen King. If you're able, uh, would you stand um, as we lift our voices and let's worship together. the lord is risen today Could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could follow such boundless grace? But God. The silence, the roaring lion, declare the grave as no fame.
1: the pace of humanity to an absolute standstill. He is risen, three words that shattered prisons, words that shook the Earth's foundations, words that transformed a sense of utter despair into cries of pure joy and ecstasy, echoes of history's greatest triumph that still shape our reality. Even today, We're assaulted by constant distraction, countless sources waging war for our attention, yet three words pierce the noise. In our hunger for validation, our desperate pleas for love and attention, three words calm our anxiety. In a universe spinning at breakneck speed, its inhabitants locked in an existential crisis, three words proclaim the purpose of our existence. He is risen lay hold of this truth, and embrace the peace within. Yesterday, fear reigned in our hearts. Yesterday, we sat in crippling darkness. Yesterday, we suffered abuse and all the accusations of a broken world. But today, our king, our healer, our defender is risen. And this reality doesn't merely accompany us on a meaningless journey. This changes everything for you see if he is risen then all other pursuits become secondary all of our failures become insignificant all criticisms and condemnations become irrelevant there is only his word his mission and his infinite unconditional love for you Because he is risen, we look to tomorrow. Tomorrow we will stop defining our worth through status and social media. Tomorrow we will together build an everlasting kingdom. Tomorrow and every day after, we will dance in the radiance of a redeeming savior who crushed death and set us free. There is nothing that Jesus cannot overcome. We know this because he lives. We know this because he is risen.
2: morning. Would you pray with me? Good morning, Father. Who is a God like you? Who forms the mountains and creates the wind? Who reveals his thoughts to mankind? Who pardons sin and forgives transgressions? You do not stay angry, but delight to show mercy. Our mighty warrior who saves. You have revealed your plan for our redemption from the beginning of time. In your faithfulness, the promise of a Savior spoken in the Garden of Eden, that Jesus would crush the head of Satan. In your faithfulness, the promise spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Jacob's prophecy to Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah until he to whom it belongs shall come. To David, you promised that you would establish a throne of his kingdom forever, ever, that you will be his father and he will be your son. Your promise of a savior bringing healing, justice, redemption, forgiveness, spoken through your prophets. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity, the punished punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Your promise from the beginning of time fulfilled completely in the birth, life, and resurrection of Jesus, our good shepherd, that is what we celebrate today. Thank you, Lord, for this holy promise that redeems us as your own. So when we falter and drift away, Draw us to you to confess our sin. Let us come to you with with a repentant heart, remembering that you welcome our confessions with joy. And when when we pray, lifting our needs to you, help us to remember you hear us clearly. You are not slow to answer. You are working on our behalf in ways that are higher than our ways. You are trustworthy and faithful, merciful and compassionate. You are a mighty warrior that saves, and our good shepherd who lays down his life. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.
3: Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. We are so glad you could join us today. For those who are joining us in person, you should have received a bulletin on your way in. On there, you will find our connect card if you are visiting us for the first time, we encourage you to take a moment and fill out that connect card so we can get to know you. If you have new contact information, please fill out the connect card so that we can get in touch with you and keep you updated with what's going on in church. On the other side, you will find our prayer card. If you have anyone in your life who is in need of prayer, please fill out the prayer card or visit our website at ljcc.org prayer. We'd love to be praying for those needs. You can drop these cards off on your way out in the back in the foyer or the box mounted on the wall. At LJCC, we want to walk together in our journey of seeking after God. If you are just beginning in your faith, desire a deeper connection with God, or simply curious about the Christian walk, then please join us for our Worship and Prayer Nights, an intentional time devoted to praising our Lord. The first Worship and Prayer Night will take place on Thursday, May 18th at 6.30pm. There will be songs, prayer, and a time to meet with others. Let's worship the Lord together. We are just one week away from starting our new series, God is in the Details. In this series, we will explore how Jesus speaks to the details that matter in our life. Join us next week and learn with us what those details in our lives are. We hope you have a great Sunday and are blessed by the worship and message today. May God bless you and have a great week.
4: Christ is risen Christ is risen indeed we're here to celebrate the miracle the miracle of Easter Uh, before I became a follower of Jesus I thought the miracle of Easter was that Easter bunnies produced Easter eggs that was about as deep as it went for me and then coming to know Christ I realized what's happened where did all the bunnies and eggs come from Uh, it's a wonderful way to celebrate something but don't obscure it right Years ago, uh, actually it was 34 years ago, the Berlin Wall fell. And shortly after that, some East German pastors uh, came to La Jolla to see American churches. And so they spent about a week with us. And um, i got to tell you, they're pretty serious people. Especially after coming out of that horrible, um, horrible experience uh, that they'd gone through uh, following World War II. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were serious, serious, serious But they they knew that they wanted to reconnect their heart uh, to the heart of God. They'd been walking with God, but they'd been so beaten down that they wanted to redevelop the joy that they knew was theirs in Christ. Uh, And so at the end of the the week uh, of being with us, these pastors said, I said, well, how did it go for you? Did you learn everything you wanted to learn? And, And in a very stern way, they looked at me and they said, yes. Yes, we have. We've learned that you like to laugh a lot. I'm like, are you taking the keys of, from the, from, you know, of my car away? Do I have to stay indoors? Am I grounded? What? I said, is that good or is that bad? They said, oh, it's very good. <laughs> I said, I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, they said, yes, yes. We laugh once a year. <laughs> I can believe it. I said, when, when do you laugh and, and why? And he said, we, we are required to tell a joke on Easter. And I said, because, and I think I knew where he was going with it. He said, yes, yes, because those Satan and death thought they had the last laugh. God had the last laugh. And so we are filled with joy, so much so that we chase Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. And um, you stay here long enough this morning, you'll be chasing Easter bunnies and Easter eggs out on the lawn uh, with us, uh, drinking coffee. We've come to celebrate the miracle of Easter and if you don't have a context for that, we'd like to give you one. We can't give it to you right now, but uh, I sent out something this week that, that took all those uh, narratives from the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, 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 and gave them uh, to the congregation and, and some notes to talk about how to understand them because there's so much going on there. If you'd like to get that, uh, get in touch with us, and we'll, we'll be glad to send you that. I want to read uh, from one of the passages uh, that we have uh, re- describing the resurrection. Uh, This is out of uh, Luke 24. So on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. These are the women who were the last people at the tomb uh, before sunset. These were the women who, with a man named Joseph of Arimathea, who owned a tomb that Jesus would put in, a brand new tomb, uh, and a man named Nicodemus, who was one of the leaders in Jerusalem, both of them were very low-key about being followers of Jesus because they knew it could cost them a lot, and they thought they could they could do more if they could have influence without um, declaring that. But here they were going to Herod and, and saying, and, and to Pilate, saying, "We want the body." And so they and all these women uh, took. The, the, the body, Christ's body, and 75 pounds of burial materials uh, to Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Uh, and there they prepared the body, and then the tomb was sealed with a stone, and because the, f- the, the authorities were paranoid that somebody would steal Jesus' body to make a point, they put an armed guard in front of it. Uh, but we read that the women sat across from the stone after it was sealed. So it was these women who now returned. Uh, they, they took the other spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. This is a woman named Joanna, a woman named Salome, and four Marys. Four Marys. These were the Laurens of the first century. Uh, four women named Mary. And when you read about these women or any women named Mary in the Bible, they always add something like Mary of Magdala, Mary of so-and-so's wife, so-and-so's mom, because there were so many Marys. Which Mary are you talking about? Well, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? This is the Easter message. Why do we look for the living among the dead? In the dead things of this world, why do we not... Uh, Why are we discouraged when we don't find the life we're searching for? And that was the question. Why? Why? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We're here to celebrate the risen one. We lift our eyes up from the world. You know, every reference in the New Testament about the world is negative. And here's why. The world is what we need to be saved from, rescued from, restored to. And yet, because the world is this place where, the, where the, the dead go to die, God so loved that world that he gave his only son that nobody would have to perish, but everybody could have the life that they were created for, this life that goes forever in Christ. This is the message of Easter. Look in the right place if you want to find life. So they said, he's not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. They're in Jerusalem, but he's referring to all the teaching Uh, that Jesus was doing up in the northern part of Israel. The Son of Man, this is a title indicating the Messiah. They say the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then the women remembered his words. And by the way, just one more thing about these women. As someone has observed, Jesus showed himself first to those who stuck with him to the end. Let that just lodge itself in your thinking. The first people to talk about Jesus, two men, were women. The women proclaimed the gospel. The first time the gospel of Jesus was ever declared, it was from faithful women. Accurately and articulately telling what they they saw and what they didn't see. And so when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Has anything changed since, I'm just wondering, is it just me or is it, this is is a theme here. Uh, uh, Thank you for keeping your comments to yourselves, women. I appreciate that very much. I'll just continue reading. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. He goes into the tomb, and he sees what should be a body. The the cloth is there. The part around the head was there, but there's no there there. There's no one there. This is a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Now, don't blame the guys for being uh, indifferent to the women, and nobody had a context for this. This is a one-off. This is a -a one-of-a-kind event. Nobody's prepared for this. This is a category of one. And for many people, it still is. One that they don't believe in and can't take seriously. Because it puts in bold relief everything that we have given ourselves to until the time we finally meet Jesus. And very gently, we can imagine him saying, why have you been avoiding me? Why have you been hiding from me? I've come to give you life. Are you ready for it? because that's what I want to give you. Later that day, on a, a very busy, confusing day with, with the accounts of the resurrection, there's so much going on, and you're trying to track it all, and who saw what and when, and how many, were, how many people, how many angels, and, and so on, on, a, on a walk to a, a city called Emmaus, about eight miles out of Jerusalem, a man named Cleopas, who had been a follower of Jesus, One of those hundreds of disciples are out there. And he's just so troubled by what what he's heard. And he and another person are walking along this road to Emmaus. And a person encounters them and says, why are you guys so bummed out? And they say to him, kind of gruffly, I'm guessing, where have you been? Don't you know what's going on? No, tell me. And they proceed to tell this stranger, about all their expectations, all their hopes regarding Jesus and how this horrible thing has happened. And then Cleopas, his name, says, "...in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive." Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They had, the men had not yet seen Jesus. Can you imagine the women trying to explain having seen Jesus in his resurrected body? I wish I could explain him to you. I wish I could describe him for you. But wait, when you see him, you'll understand. So for 50 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples All kinds of combinations of disciples. Ones and twos and threes and twelves and up to 500 people. He appeared to the disciples, helping them understand what had happened. 50 days. Can you imagine the intensity of those 50 days? And here's why I say the intensity of those 50 days. Because John, in the final words of his gospel, one of the four gospels, and John, the youngest of the disciples and then apostles of Jesus, says this, In that 50-day period, Jesus performed many other things in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, John's Gospel, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You see the theme here? It's about life. Yeah, but all those conflicting, it seems, narratives, confusing narratives, well, there's one big message in all of them. He's alive. Are you? He's alive. Do you want the life that has given him life? He's broken the hold of death and sin over us with his life. He's alive. And what that means is that you can be alive in him. Not by a distant association or a second or third hand account, but through a personal encounter with him. He will give you life. We live in a world, in a country especially, that believes that everybody goes to heaven. It's not true. Nobody can go to heaven. Why? Nobody knows where it is. Nobody knows where it is. One person knows where it is. And He will gladly take you there. Well, I'm going to go to heaven. God bless you. Good luck. Where are you going to start? Uh, I don't know where I am. And then where are you going to go? I I don't know. Okay, How about this? There's a lot of ways you could go and be very disappointed. But there's one way. And Jesus described it this way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I will lead you there. Everybody's welcome because you're going to be my guest. Come with me. I don't know. What do you know? I don't know if I can trust you. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever died and risen from the dead? Well, no, I haven't. Well, I have. I have. Now, this is a fanciful conversation. But to put it in simple terms, this is a conversation that we still have to this day. We argue and defend against a life we don't have. Rather than saying, well, what is the life that you have that you're trying to give me? So what does it mean to you that Jesus is risen from the dead? What does it mean to you? How do you explain it? You can disdain it, you can dismiss it, but that's not explaining it. I thought it was the most ridiculous story I'd ever heard i would grown up, partly going to the Catholic church and partly going to the Protestant church, and I just never heard the story. Maybe they were saying it, I just never heard it. If I heard it, I didn't understand it. And I was so frustrated by not understanding it, and I'm still hearing it from people who are well-intentioned and, and barging in and mugging me in the name of Jesus, standing with a surfboard in my hand at, at you know, Steamer Lane or Pleasure Point, anywhere in Santa Cruz after surfing, and, and these guys go, hey, dude, do you know Jesus? No, but I do know I'm really cold, and you're in my way. And I thought, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Are there some original accounts I can, I can consult? I found a Bible that one of my brother's baseball coaches had given him. He was kind of sneaky. Gave all the kids a New Testament. Good news for modern man. The only Bible in our home. Carefully unread. <laughs> Crisp and new. And uh, I asked my brother, hey, can I read your Bible? He starts laughing. My Bible? What? I don't have a Bible. That book. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I read it. I couldn't put it down. I read it from first page to last page, and I started reading it again. I didn't believe it. I was just blown away by it. And for the first time, I had a storyline to follow and say, I have never heard anything like this. I've never read anything like this. My first question was, why has nobody told me about this? And given that this disc- Is presented as if it's true. Why isn't everybody talking about this? My family, we just argued about what church we didn't go to. We didn't ever talk about the reason one would want to go to church. What does the risen Jesus mean to you? If you don't know, if you can't explain it, don't it. Don't, don't disdain it, don't dismiss it, discover it, read it for yourself. You might be surprised by what happens. This is how the Apostle Paul, who was once an adversary of Jesus and then became an apostle of Jesus, Rabbi Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. Apostle just means somebody who goes out in Jesus' name and says, You can't believe what I've heard. You can't believe what I've seen. But I'd like to share it with you if you're interested. And he writes this to the people in Corinth. And he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. What's the gospel? It's that Jesus died and rose again. The ministry that led to that and the ministry that follows from that. But the gospel is not, it's awesome, great. It's really cool, Fantastic. It's solid. Uh Uh-huh. It's true. Thank you. What is it? It's that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried in a grave. And after three days, having been certified dead, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven after appearing to people over a period of 50 days. And he will return in full glory, bringing judgment and a new heaven and a new earth. The gospel is Jesus died and rose again. And this is what Paul's saying. If this isn't true, you're wasting your time. If this is true, don't let go of it. Hold on to this. Because by this gospel, you are saved. For what I've passed on to you as of first importance is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures that he appeared to six women. Oh, it's not in the text. I don't understand this. I do understand it. He's, he's telling a big story and doesn't want people to say, oh, if he appeared to women, women weren't allowed to give testimony in a court of law, so we can't take their word for it. So this is the crazy thing. That in the first century, a woman's integrity or... or capacity to be, bear witness was in question. So Paul knows that it was women. I'm not on a crusade for women being the first to tell men today. I'm just saying this is part of the powerful story. That Jesus started with the people around him. They were women. And then very soon it was a bunch of men joining those women. He appeared to Cephas, Paul, uh, Peter, And then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, if you'd like to go talk to them. Though some of them have fallen asleep. They've passed away. They're dead. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. See, this is the testimony. This is the story that everybody who knows Jesus has some version of this story. How did you come to know Jesus? Well, I grew up in a home where I learned about Jesus. My parents prayed with me and talked with me and one day I just realized, hey, it's not my parents' story, it's mine. I believe it. Or I, I was in high school and I went to a Young Life camp and became a follower of Jesus. Or I was in college and I, I was part of an inner, inner varsity group and they led me to Christ. Or at work, you know, my first job, I met some people who were followers of Jesus. And as I just really liked them and I respected them and their integrity and character was compelling to me. And I said, what's with you? Are you guys vegetarians or what? <laughs> no, we're followers of Jesus. Oh, Whoa. Wow. So after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples were asking, how did he do it? How did he do it? And of course, all the conversation in those 50 days was about, didn't you see it coming? This is what God has been telling us through Israel, through the Torah, through the prophets, through all the writings. Jesus could have said, it was in my Bible. Jesus' Bible is the Old Testament. It's all there. That's what he told the guys on the road to Emmaus. Well, he said, "It says starting with the scriptures, he just walked them to the obvious outcome and conclusion that God kept His promise and came into the world to save His beloved creation." So they were asking, "How did He do it?" But after He commissioned them, because He said, "You know, now go make disciples under all the authority now given to me. You go make disciples in My name, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always." And then they started asking, how do we do it? Well, how do we do that? Well, at Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, 50 days after Passover, Jesus had promised to give them the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, wait here in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will come to you. Sure enough, on that Pentecost, 50 days, Pentecost is just 50 days, regular holiday, nobody expected this to be the occasion for the Holy Spirit to be given to the people. The Holy Spirit is poured out on 120 people who that day then become 3,000 people because all the people around them are seeing it and hearing it saying, what is this? This is the promised Holy Spirit. What should we do? Repent and receive. Repent and receive and believe in the one who has fulfilled all of God's promises. And we're off to the races. That's That's the beginning of the church. This community of Christ. You don't have to not be a Jew to be a follower of Christ. You don't have to not be a Muslim to be a follower of Christ. You don't have to not be a Buddhist. You have to be a follower of Christ. Those cultural things, fine. I know lots of people would say, I grew up as a Muslim. I am now a follower of Christ. I've not stopped being a Muslim in terms of my cultural identity. I am a follower of Christ. You know, there's some powerful things happening in India right now because people are hearing articulate Christians and starting with the brother of Modi. And Modi himself has heard this from people who are articulate, saying, you know, in our own Vedas, this is what we learn. And it sets us up to receive this good news about Jesus, the one who is actually the Lord. Shiva is not the Lord. There's one Lord, one Christ, one way to God. It's Jesus. See the power of this? This is a compelling message. It's not distance yourself from your culture or your identity or your experience of life. Just understand that it won't make sense until Jesus is at the heart of it and at the heart of you. It's not saying, well, I don't want to become an American. God forbid you'd become an American. That might get in the way. I'm finding myself trying to unbury myself out of my own culture to get a clear shot of who Jesus is because I keep thinking Jesus is just living the good life and, and making sure that, you know, uh, God knows that I'm enjoying it. It's so much more than that, right? Because what does he do? He, he lets us let go of everything that we've clung to and attached to to say, this is who I am. This is why I count. And when we let go of all that, we said, well, who am I now? He says, here's who you are. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. And you grew up in this environment. And i got to speak to you and to the people who shaped you through you in your environment. And you don't have to stop being what you grew up to be. You have to start being who I made you to be and watch where that goes. Do you see the power of that? That's that's transformational. There's nothing in the way of that except for our will because God allows us to say either to him, your will be done, or he will say to us, your will be done. And I would much rather say to him, your will be done. I'd love to be a part of it. Because then I'll come into my full experience of who I was made to be. So what now is the story of God's Holy Spirit in the world, transforming it in Jesus' name, culture by culture, person by person? Every language, every tribe. There's no corner of the earth where Jesus is not invested in reclaiming and redeeming and rescuing his creation. This is not a Western thing. The Western people were late to this party. Do you know what the first followers of Jesus said on that first resurrection celebration the year after this happened? Christos Anesti. That's Greek for Christ has risen. They didn't say he has risen. They said, Christos Anesti, and people would say, ah, Lithos Anesti. And every language now gets to say that because the first people were Greek-speaking. Why? Because that's what people in the ancient world were speaking. Aramaic at home or Hebrew in in the synagogue, but in the streets, they were speaking Greek. And now you were part of that story. And what does it mean to you that Jesus is risen from the dead? You have a story to tell if you already know him. If you don't know him, you're going to have an amazing story to tell as you get to know him. And so it's believing in him, but it's better than that. It's knowing him and experiencing him. You can believe in a lot of things you've never experienced, you really don't understand. I believed it when I saw this show about a mom and her daughter. The, the daughter is in her uh, late 20s, the mom is 60. For six months, they hiked up the, the western coast of Canada to Alaska. I believe they did it. I believe it so strongly that I I, I believe I need a nap having watched it. It was just amazing. I believe a lot of things that I haven't experienced, but you know what? This is not one of those. To know Jesus is to experience Jesus. It's not believing in Jesus. It starts by believing and receiving, and then it becomes way too close for comfort. It's scary close, because he says, I'm going to come in you. I won't take your identity away. I'll help you come into your right identity. My spirit is going to help you become you, the fullest and best version of you. And this isn't natural for us, becoming a disciple of Jesus. That's why it's a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit makes this happen, allows this to happen, using all the normal things about who we are. I, I remember early on as a follower of Jesus, some of my friends who were just really fun and wacky and you know, just great guys, when they, when they started walking with Jesus, they started acting differently. And after a while, I'm like, "What is? What's with you guys? What? You seem like you're uncomfortable laughing and goofing off now." Well, man, we just didn't want to, you know, insult God. He said, "You insult God by not being you. You know, I, I, you know the profanity that we can let go of that. Uh, the jokes that we can't tell in front of our moms, we'll let go of that. Nowadays, it's the jokes our moms tell in front of us, but don't let go of you. Be you in Him." Does that make sense to you? Be you in him, and he will bring you to that place where you become a better version of you because he's writing a new and better story in us. We're not faking it. We're not putting on a role like an actor. I'm now a Christian. I'm me in Christ. So what shall we do? First, stop looking for your life among the dead things in this world. Jesus said it this way. I have come that you may have life in all its fullness. He also said, because I live, you shall live. The resurrection life is now accessible to us. You will be transformed by his resurrection in this life and forever. So today, what's the condition of your heart toward God? Are you trusting or are you troubled? Are you trusting in Jesus in the the circumstances of your life? Or are you troubled? Well, Jesus, I don't know if you're really here because it isn't going well. Jesus could say to you, and that's what I said to my father. If this cup can pass for me, let it pass. But not my will, yours be done. You're going to have troubles in this world, but trust in him in the midst of those troubles. He's earned our trust. He's a good shepherd, the great physician, our faithful guide in life. By trusting in him, we are transformed by his love and we receive our true identity and we, see, we receive a calling, a calling. What's a calling? Well, in English, it's vocation. Oh, I got one of those. I get paid. No, it's more than your job. Your vocation is your way of life, adding value. And yeah, it includes a job, earning money. If your vocation is changing tires, your real vocation is being a person in Christ changing tires to be sure it's done really well. If your vocation is teaching preschool, your vocation is loving those kids as if Jesus would love them, even if you might not be able to talk about Jesus in the preschool in which you work. If you're cutting hair, it's cutting hair in the name of Jesus, even if you don't really talk much about him. But you're going to bring an attitude with you that people are going to say, you know, what is it about you? I just There's something about you. And you go, you know, uh, I cut hair. I know. You seem to love it. I love cutting hair. But tell me what makes you love cutting hair. Well, I love doing it, but I love it because in Christ... It's a way for me to minister to people and help them see themselves in a new way. What? Tell me more about that. What kind of attorney are you? I'm this kind of attorney. But really, I'm, I'm in Christ as a person wanting to bring justice in, into every situation. I am. You know, you see where this goes. We're reborn, and our heart and mind are open to new realities and new possibilities. And through God's living word, we learn to see our lives under his kingdom authority. What does that mean? He's the king. We're the people of the king, sons and daughters of the king. Every kingdom has, has a rule. His rule is follow me. Every kingdom has a place. It's my kingdom uh, wherever I am. It's, it's all my place. And this world will be my, is my place. And it'll, it doesn't look like it now, but it will be. And I'm going to make a better version of this world. I'll bring heaven and earth together. Also, realize he's not kidding. It's not just an interesting euphemism or figurative speech. He is a king. He has a kingdom. And we're a part of that. We're going to learn to discern right from wrong according to his kingdom values, good from evil according to his kingdom values. We're going to learn to forgive as he forgives us because of his kingdom values. We're going to give up trying to be nice people. Nice is so irrelevant. Nice is ineffective. Nice is a a placeholder for, I don't really give a rip, but I'm going to pretend I do. Here's what God swaps out for nice. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the fruit of his spirit in us. So when you're telling somebody you love deeply, the truth about what you're experiencing and seeing in them, and they say to you, you're not very nice. You say, you know, I really wasn't intending to be nice. My intention is to be loving and kind and patient. Consider it. And so we learn everything goes better with God's wisdom, and there can never be too much of God's brand of kindness. And so we see our problems, our doubts, and fails as a place where the Lord meets us. He doesn't reject us there. He meets us there and refines us as in fire to create greater strength and resilience in us. And we, we discover and develop resilience and endurance and resourcefulness we didn't know was possible in us. And we're growing into something better because God is creating something better in us. And we believe the resurrection of Jesus is good news because it reveals God's goodness. That's the good news of the gospel. God is good and just and righteous. And as we embrace this glorious good news, we learn to practice it and apply it creatively. We stop making excuses and we start making new commitments that express our faith in Christ. And we make those commitments saying, you know what, I don't have it in me, but he has it in me, and so I'm going to go with him. I'm making this commitment to learn how to be a husband. I'm making this commitment to learn how to be a father. I'm making this commitment to learn how to be a person you can trust in the marketplace. I'm making this commitment to be the kind of person who will tell you the truth. I'm trying to be the kind of person that will withhold judgment, but I will offer discernment and wisdom. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, and from the fullness of His grace, He's giving us that new capacity. Not making us perfect people, but making us alive people. And so we stop expecting life to be easy, and we start accepting it as a gift from God that we share with others. A woman was going through a really difficult time. She was ill, 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 and knew that she was going to die. And she thought, Lord, I I was hoping you could use me, and now I'm going to die. And so the young doctor, waiting on her, caring for her, said, how you doing? And she said, "Well, doctor, you know, I'd love to live more, but I, I'm going to die. But the good news is, you know, my faith in Christ is sustaining me." And he looked at her with kind of a blank look. Like and she said, "What do you believe about? What's your faith, doctor? What do you believe about Christ?" And and so Francis Collins said, "I had I had no idea what to say to this woman. I I, I had never thought about it." And, and that simple question from that woman who was so confident in facing death turned my world upside down and turned me inside out. So I went home and I, I, I went down the street to the guy that I knew as a minister and I said, Hey, this is what happened at work. What's, what's this about? And that guy came alongside Francis Collins. I said, This is what it's about. And helped Francis Collins come to be a follower of Jesus. So when, Francis Collins is trying to map the human genome for the very first time. And there are people around him saying, we're going to make so much money on this. We're going to monetize it. And he's saying, no, no, no. We're going to give it away. This is what happens because of the resurrection. And so because he's risen, we do not fear adversity. We meet it with the hope of the gospel. We don't fear critique or correction. We receive it and learn from it. And we also offer it respectfully. We speak the truth and love, starting with please and thank you. And we encourage and bless others with everything we have. By God's grace, we're free to be humble and vulnerable, and that is our strength and our credibility. You want to be a strong person? Learn how to be humble and vulnerable. You will gain credibility, and that will be your strength. In the marketplace, any place. He's forming us into a holy family of faith, he's shaping us into a holy priesthood of believers. In Christ, we are a living temple filled with his Holy Spirit. That's what's going on right now, where people gather together in his name. His Spirit is there. This is a living, holy temple we're in. And when we conclude this service, the the living, holy temple will go out into the world. The building will remain, but the living, holy temple will disperse into the world. And so his Holy Spirit will fill your soul, heal your heart, ease your mind, energize your spirit. So what do we do? open your eyes. As Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Run the race, Paul said. Fight the good fight. Sing your song. Don't quench the Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit can't do that. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect your gifts. I I don't have any gifts. Wrong. Discover your gifts. Don't neglect them. Count your blessings. I don't have any blessings. It's all bad for me. You haven't even started to understand how blessed you are. And lift your hands in praise. What does that mean? Thank you, Lord. Help me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. (laughs) It means everything. Praise you, Lord. He's risen, and so will we. He's still moving stones. He's still moving stones. So we get to rise up. Let's rise up and worship Him. Uh, In this time of offering, it's not the money-giving time of offering. You can give money, there's a little box over there, you can set it in. This is the offering of you time. So let's worship Him. Let's ask Him to move any stones in a way between us and Him. Let's rise up and meet Him and greet Him and learn to know Him and love Him and walk with Him for now and ever. Lord Jesus, this is our prayer. This is our plea. We praise You and thank You that this is not just a possibility, it's the actual gift You are giving us by faith. So help us to receive it, to value it, to cherish it, to hold it close, and to live large in it. We pray this in Jesus' high and holy name. Amen.
0: <laughs> Out of the shadows, bound through the gallows, a dead man walking, till love came calling. Rise up, rise up, six feet under, I thought it was over. An answer to praying, the voice of a Savior. Rise up, rise up, well, all at once, I came alive. This beating heart he's open. you saved me. I sing because you gave me a song of revival. I put it on vinyl. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. The words were blinded, but now I see it. I heard about the power. Now I believe it. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up.
4: We want to pray for you before you go. If you have a a need for prayer right now with you or for something you're concerned about, go right out around the corner. There's a beautiful prayer garden. There'll be people there to say, how can I pray for you? And if you don't want to say, just say, pray for me. Or if you want to describe what you need prayer for, go ahead and tell them. They'll pray for you. Um, We want you to have some uh, refreshments before you go. Also... Uh, we have some beautiful flowers out there. And, and as you leave uh, today, take a flower and then put it in that cross. There's a mesh on the cross. Take some of those flowers and just put it in the cross. We're filling that cross with flowers. Uh, death to life. Uh, parents, go get your kids. Bring about out in the front because we're going to have a an Easter egg hunt. And, and we'd love it if some of the adults would come out, even if you don't have kids with you, and just stand along facing the street so Uh, In the pursuit of those eggs, kids don't run off past the lawn and go do do, do the big dive, you know. Uh, So uh, we're going to have a little fun before we leave today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with Him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful Easter day.